Hello and welcome to I Really Wish You Hadn't. This is a podcast about people and businesses that have made horrible mistakes, have fallen apart at the seams, or have just been generally awful since their inception. They're the kind of people and businesses that make you think, man, I really wish you hadn't. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of I Really Wish You Hadn't, with me, your most attractive host, Cayman McMahon, and Michael, the technically second most attractive host, but it's also true. the least attractive host. It's empirically true. I mean, and then GQ's, the data, the data doesn't lie. GQ's podcast producer, sexiest producer man alive, Colin Moore. They definitely oh. need to work on that title. <laughs> yeah, they... Yeah. GQ the journalism's needs, yeah. not great at GQ. Well, you know. So today we're talking about Raytheon? Nope. <laughs> nope. Not yet. We're still trying to get that sponsorship. We're talking about uh, segregation. Nope. Not that one either. We're uh, talking about time zones. No, that's that's a that's our six-part series coming later this season. <laughs> six-part series on time zones. Yep. Uh, no, instead today we're talking about an amusement park from hell known as Action Park. At its core, I would describe Action Park as what you get when you make a theme park for teenagers and drunk adults that also happens to be ran by teenagers and drunk adults. Action Park skirted every regulation in the book and was built with the mentality of putting risk in the guests' hands. So if you wanted a near-death experience, nobody was going to stop you. Unfortunately, if you didn't want a near-death experience, you might get one anyway due to someone else's stupidity. It sounds like how all theme parks should be. Yeah. I feel like all theme parks should be designed for drunk adults. You would love Action Park. But that being said, if you're designing a theme park for drunk adults, it should probably have like rounded corners. No, no, this one had, they sharpened the corners on this one. It is, it is literally the most dangerous place I can think of. It's insane. But with that, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just dive headfirst into the shallow pool that is Action Park. Because uh, danger, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you shouldn't dive into shallow pools. The story of Action Park starts as many gray stories do, with a door-to-door vacuum salesman. That salesman's name is Gene Mulvihill, and he's the main character of today's story. You know how annoyed, and I'm sure that's not really a thing anymore, but you know how annoyed if I was like sitting on the couch watching TV and some dude comes up to my door and he's like, hey, you want to buy a vacuum? Well, One, that's incredibly suspicious. Two, no. No, I don't want to buy a vacuum. But th- you got to think, this is pre-Amazon, dude. Nothing just comes straight to your door. You got to go get it. Now it's like, oh man... If I don't do this now, I've got to go get one myself, you know? How large is the demand for vacuum cleaners? You think so if I walk down... the 60s? It might even be the 50s. Were people buying more vacuum cleaners in the 60s? I, I would say they're probably fair. Like, I mean, they're not new, but like, you know, the middle class is really starting to grow post-World War II. Like, it's probably the first time that people can afford a vacuum cleaner. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Anyway, so Gene Mulvihill is is very successful in his door-to-door vacuum salesman business. So people are buying them. I mean, it's got to be easy to sell vacuum cleaners as well if people don't have them. Because vacuum cleaner is the one thing that the more it sucks, the better it is. Ha ha ha! Got him. <laughs> that one was off the top of the dome. Whew. 
before you have a vacuum cleaner, like, how do you clean a carpet? Like, you can't sweep a carpet. Well, that's why you had to have so many kids. You just held them up by their feet and they just... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, I assume less people had carpet. Or you just beat it with a stick. Yeah, you probably just had, like, rugs and you would take them out and beat them. That was back when people beat it with tennis rackets. So, anyway... <laughs> Dude's selling a lot of vacuums. That's the moral of the story. And uh, he realizes, like, you know what? Vacuums, pretty good business. But you know what's even better business? Mutual funds. So he starts selling mutual funds as part of a financial firm. But when he realizes that he's just a lot better at doing this than anybody else, he decides, why am I doing this for somebody when I could take this business on its own? Uh, So he founds Mayflower Securities. I would try and make a joke about mutual funds. But if I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what they are. It sounds like something I should probably have, but I don't. I I would love to make fun of you, but I also don't know that I could define what a mutual fund is. (laughs) Something with money. Something with money. But anyway, he gets out of the mutual fund business with Mayflower Securities, uh, and he starts dealing in stocks of such little value that they aren't being closely regulated by the SEC. These are better known as penny stocks. Yeah, like that Beaufort. Buford. Jordan Belford. That's where Belford. I was headed with this. Yeah, yeah. If this if this sounds familiar, this is also what J- Jordan Belford did to make all his money in Wolf of Wall Street, if you've seen that very successful film. And the reason we won't do a, that as a podcast topic, because Leo's already done it. Exactly. The movie's, the movie's already so good. Like, what, right. what are you yeah. really going to add to that? Exactly. But they also took part in pump and dump schemes where they would use clients' money to artificially raise the stock's price. Then they would sell out before the, the, the price of the stock crashed out, making a ton of money. This worked out great for Gene up until 1974 when the firm got a little too brazen and started selling worthless stocks of a bankrupt company, at which point the SEC took notice and suspended Mayflower's ability to make securities trades. Mm. Crazy. So we're not even five minutes into this story, uh, and already Gene Mulvihill has been banned from Wall Street due to committing fraud. That's how the story starts. Basically, we're starting the story with a little mini I really wish you hadn't. I feel like we've had a few of those. Lou Pearlman, he he was a little scummy to begin with. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like this one kind of wraps up because securities trading versus starting your own theme park, that's a very big jump, whereas the airplane business was always part of Lou Pearlman. You know, it was kind of had a through line. Right. Um, This one's kind of just over already. So the SEC shut down Mayflower trading. Yes. Yes, and basically said, like, Gene Mulvihill was no longer able to trade securities. I've always thought it's insane how the SEC can both regulate trading and, you know, host the South's largest college football conference. It's nuts. I mean, uh, talk about two two insane businesses to to put together. Sometimes, you know, peanut butter and mayonnaise, it just works. You can't explain why. So now in 1974, Gene Mulvihill needs a new source of income. Luckily for him, he had established a business relationship with a ski resort called Vernon Valley a few years prior. Vernon Valley was struggling financially due to competition and too many warm winters causing business to suffer. As such, the bank foreclosed on the resort, and Gene swooped in, buying the property for an insane bargain. This began Gene Mulvihill's journey to becoming the Walt Disney of personal injuries. So just because Vernon Valley was under new management didn't mean its problems melted away like the snow. Mulvihill needed to get ruthless to bring down his competition like only a Wall Street shark could. He set up the largest snowmaking system in the United States, which called the issue of warm winters. 
He also offered something that his competition either couldn't or wasn't willing to take the risk on. Night skiing. His slopes were open 24 hours a day. Now, you you guys are probably... Uh, the fact that danger's coming up, you probably think night skiing sounds a little dangerous. This is the tip of the iceberg. Like, this is this is pretty tame when it comes to Gene Mulvihill's, like, schemes. So, uh, strap in, because uh, this is just the beginning. You know more people die skiing every year than die in car accidents? I don't believe that. Yeah, that's probably not true. Okay. <laughs> The resort was also having an issue of people using the ski lift without lift tickets. So one day a guy cut in line without a lift ticket and the attendant asked him, you know, hey, man, where's your ticket? And the guy couldn't produce one. So the attendant walked into a nearby maintenance shed, came out with an axe and chopped the man's skis off his feet. Hey, Grand Theft Ski Lift is not a victimless crime. All right. It's not. You might think, yeah, they're moving all the time. It really doesn't make a difference. But, it, you know, you got, someone's hey got to oil it up. Who's got to pay for that electricity? or Exactly. Ele- electricity becomes a major issue later on. It's, it's not cheap. So anyway, if it's not obvious, this was staged. Basically, Gene Mulvihill set up two of his maintenance guys to, like, do this to scare everyone uh, into paying for their lift tickets, which I guess it worked out. How many people are going to see that? Uh, I, word of mouth, man. Travels quick. Because apparently they got a lot of complaints. People would like call in and be like, yeah, I saw... Uh... Actually, they got the complaints. With... They did this again later on in the story. Gene Mulvihill got a fake cattle prod uh, that made it look like you were getting electrocuted. And he did this thing again a few years later. And people were like, yeah, I literally saw an attendant kill a man because he didn't have a lift ticket. So yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the caliber of what we're dealing with here. What year is this? This is uh, 1974 or 5, somewhere in the mid-70s. Oh, Vietnam's over. Yep. They were going to get their thrills elsewhere. So the park saw moderate success, but Gene always wanted more. He could only monetize his resort in the winter months. So he went to work devising how to transform his resort into an evergreen travel destination. Enter the Alpine Slide. At its core, the Alpine Slide makes total sense for a summer variant of a ski slope. You basically ride the ski lift up to the top of the mountain, where you then get on a small cart with a speed regulator. Basically, it was a lever that controlled your brake, and you could get a little bit of steering with it. So kind of like a bobsled. Kind of like a bobsled, right, Uh, but with wheels on it, uh, because it was, you know, it was just like a track. Right. Uh, And then you go down a half-mile track as fast or as slow as you want, because again, you're regulating the brake. This played in perfectly with Gene's dream of having the guests control their own experience. Gene hated rides that you just sat on and, and went for a ride. Like, because again, Disney Disney World had just opened up, and again, they had rides that you just got on, had the experience, and left. Gene wanted stuff that the user could, could define. Well, also, I feel like there's a big market of, you know, suicidally depressed people that want to die with a little pizzazz. Well... Gene's going to give it to him. <laughs> yeah, being able to regulate your own speed is... Uh, I, I think there's a reason they don't do that. Yeah, well, we're about to find out because uh, <laughs> people are stupid. Yeah. Uh, basically, since the user could control their own speed, people would just let Jesus take the wheel and go full sin down the mountain. And there was a track, but there weren't any guardrails on the track. So if you were going too fast and you hit one of the curves, you could go up and over the wall and then go into the woods. 
they tried to like set up hay bales at the more like let's say contentious spots where people were crashing often. The problem was uh, people were flicking cigarettes into the hay bales and setting them on fire. Nice. That's that's what we're dealing with here. Like that's this is the park. Could you imagine someone flicking a cigarette and you're the next person down? You go oh, full God. sin into a flaming <laughs> pile of hay. I mean that that could have easily happened. It's it's by complete fate that that didn't happen. Was cocaine already prevalent at this time? C- cocaine? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's the 70s. Yeah, I don't. I there's no there's no allegations of anyone doing coke, but who knows? I'm not saying people weren't doing it. Right. If you can't prove that you're not doing coke, then by default, you're doing coke. That sounds right. That's how the law works. But Cayman's name next to that statement. I'm, I'm not backing <laughs> that one up. Even if a, even if one of the guests was going at a reasonable speed, they were basically at the mercy of anyone behind them. They would regularly have injuries related to carts ramming each other at terminal velocity. And it got bad enough that the park started taking pictures of particularly bad injuries and posting them at the top of the mountain right next to the safety directions. Like, it's literally like the, the, the European cigarette packs where they show the, like, smoker's lung. And it's like, this right. is what you're going to get if you don't, you know, pay attention to the safety directions. At one point, reporters asked Gene why riders weren't required to wear helmets, uh, to which he said people would rather feel the wind in their hair than wear a helmet. I don't have that problem. I don't either. <laughs> get a helmet on this bald head. Because we're bald, huh? Well, we would get a little lucky, though, because wind wasn't the only thing people were getting in their hair, uh, because it became a game that while you were riding the ski lift, you would try to spit on the people below that were riding the slide. Gross. Again, that's just the caliber of people that are coming to Action Park. Right. And even if you didn't get injured or spit on, the whole track was made out of asbestos. Well, yeah, I feel like in the 70s, most things were made of asbestos. Yeah, but people were, most people weren't scrubbing up against the things that were made out of asbestos. I mean, it was very common for you to basically get skinned by this ride that's made out of asbestos. Is that what makes Action Park so dangerous? Mesophilioma? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, no. Misothelioma is probably the least of your worries going to Action Park. And right up there with, you know, mutual funds, I'm going to attack misothelioma. I don't know what it is. I've seen a lot of class action lawsuit commercials about it. Right, right. Maybe they're all related to Action Park. It must be bad. So the Alpine Slide claimed many victims. Almost everyone that rode it got some form of scrape or bruise. But the staff of Action Park kept a record timesheet for the Alpine Slide, like basically seeing who could go down it the fastest. And one employee was determined to get the record uh, and ended up wiping out on one of the turns. The problem was the back of his legs got caught on the asbestos track and it cut him so deep he needed 200 stitches. Hmm. That's that's quite a few. That's a lot of stitches. I'm assuming that the employees are probably like 15 to 18-year-old 18 year old kids. Like, they're probably pretty young. Uh, try four, We're going to get into it later. Try 14 to, you know, 14 oh, and up. Good, good. Good, yeah. good, 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 good. Yep. And they're drunk. Well, I mean, we'll get into it. <laughs> and they're high on coke. Can't <laughs> prove they're not. So with the success of the Alpine Slide, Gene decided to get into the world of motorsports. The following year, the park opened Motor World, which featured a racetrack with miniature Formula One race cars. And these things could move. They went up to 50 miles per hour with the regulators on. The regulator could be overridden, and these things could get up to 90 miles an hour. And again, wind in your hair took precedent over helmets. 
And airbags, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. There's no airbags on these things. Uh, they also had super go-karts with... Uh, they had a faulty gas cap, and they would regularly spill gas uh, onto the, the, the riders behind you. Uh, one guest got gas in their eyes and veered off the track into a pile of tires. Now might also be a good time to mention that the park served cheap beer all day. Awesome. And people would regularly get on the track after a day of drinking. Later in the park's life, Gene actually has basically just has a German brewery disassembled from Germany and brought over to Action Park, which he sets up right beside Motor World. So people would just go get drunk on German beer and then go for, you know, a drive. Oh, I mean, that's that's common for a ski park, though. Yeah, like but ski, to, ski resorts have like German beers and or breweries. Ski resorts, but not they generally don't have a racetrack where you can go up to fifty miles an hour. Well, I feel like the ra- isn't the racetrack at the ski resort, or isn't? Because yeah, he but was it's, doing it's this the, the summer, summer months. months, right? Yeah, well, yeah. So you're fine with this? You think this is normal? No, no, I'm not fine with parks at all. You're not, <laughs> you no, don't it's like the parks. parks. You don't like parks. Get no. rid of parks. No nature parks. No more. City parks, Central Park, gone. Get them out of here. Dog parks are cool. I'm cool South with dog parks. parks. Dog parks are allowed. They deserve it. All right. Well, weird, weird hill to die on. Weird hill to die on. <laughs> but anyway, so 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 Gene basically has a, has a drunk driving experience that you can do at the park. And around this time, Gene also started introducing water slides. Now, basically, water parks weren't a thing up to this point. Uh, he was one of the first in America. And he was on the cutting edge of water-based sliding technology. Uh, this created the other half of the park known as Waterworld. Now, this is a, a water park, not the bad Kevin Costner movie. It was okay. Huh? It was okay. No, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was bad enough to be good. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, these two halves of the park were bisected by Route 94, a major highway, and allegedly... Park employees would override the regulators on the mini Formula One cars and then take them for joyrides on the highway. Because, again, they can go up to 90 miles an hour. Yeah, why not? So now with a handful of attractions, Gene felt it was time to redefine the park as the true title of his vision. Action Park opened its doors on July 4th, 1978. Over the next few years, Gene would add more to his park, particularly the Waterworld section. In a sort of crossover of the two themes of the park, they added a lake where you could race speedboats. And again, these were like little plastic speedboats, but had motors that were way too powerful for something like this. People would regularly wreck into each other, capsizing the other boats. The problem was when someone would fall into the water, it was full of gasoline because the boats were not very good. Like literally people would say you would just see like that rainbow sheen of oil across the whole lake. And if that wasn't bad enough, people also regularly spotted snakes and snapping turtles in the water to the point that it was one of the employees' jobs to get in one of the speedboats first thing in the morning and take it for a lap because they were like, it'll scare the snakes away. Like, they won't they won't <laughs> stay in the water if, if the speedboats right. are running. Do snakes have ears? Snakes have ears. I mean, they don't have, like, ears, but they have, like, they can like, hear. Just like ear hole, like ear canals. They can feel vibration, you know. I don't know. Yeah, they can do something. Something. Thing see heat, I think. I don't think so. I think that's. I think you're thinking of predators. <laughs> um. So anyway, they also added an attraction to Motor World called Battle Action Tanks. Hell yeah! In which they armored four wheelers and fashioned cannons that shot tennis balls at up to a hundred miles an hour. Each tank had a sensor that, if shot, would cause it to spin out and disable movement for fifteen seconds. 
This sounds super awesome until you remember this is an action park. So one guy decided that this wasn't extreme enough. So he took his tennis balls, started dipping them in lighter fluid, setting them on fire, and then putting them in his cannon. That's sick. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's cool, but it's also not. Um, also, the park had no way of retrieving the balls. So attendants of the ride would regularly have to go in to start scooping up balls to give them back to the to the tanks. But as soon as one of them would enter the enclosure, all the tanks would just point right at the attendant and just start pelting them with tennis balls at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, probably minimum wage job, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, minimum wage in the 70s, too. Uh, was minimum wage round in the 70s? I don't know. I think it Probably was. Probably not. Eh, regardless, I'm sure they weren't getting paid great. It, they weren't getting paid well. No. So, while we're on the topic of the ride attendants, uh, let's get into uh, that, that, age, that age issue. So, New Jersey law at the time dictated that operators of amusement park rides needed to be at least 16 years old. In my opinion, that's already pretty young to operate, like, a piece of machinery that you're going to put people on. Oh, where I grew up, we had like a million little like theme parks and racetracks and things like that. And everyone operating all of them. I mean, I guess this might be why the story isn't surprising me because all my friends worked at places like that. And they were How all just were like between 15 and 17, Yikes. 15 and 18. And they but were, we're just talking about like carnivals, right? Like the stuff yeah. where you know you're going to die. No, yeah. you're talking about like. Like Dollywood. I'm talking about. I'm well. Dollywood, not so much. Dollywood is in the summer is young kids, but but 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like high school kids. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, but I mean the Dollywood kids. I don't want to put them down because Dollywood kids. I feel like are pretty tame. But when you get on like Pigeon Forge Strip, mm-hmm. like where you got all those like uh, go kart tracks and things like that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a ton of friends yeah. that worked at those, and you could like literally disable the governor on the go-karts with your hands so like getting up to 50 60 in a go-kart high 16 year old it's not uncommon people hmm. get hurt hey we still kind of do that maybe not this severe but okay well maybe maybe i just had too tame of a childhood just don't go to theme parks yeah you'll die don't go to parks no more parks cancel them <laughs> replace them all with putt putt grounds you know you're, you're convincing me you're, you're getting me you're getting me to come around <laughs> So anyway, even though the New Jersey law dictated that you had to be 16, it was not uncommon for kids as young as 14 to be running these rides, which really puts a lot of things into context, because you're not going to listen to a 14-year-old. If they're like, hey, you can't light your tennis balls on fire, it's like, shut up, kid. I'm having fun. Right. Hey, you can't drive that thing drunk. Shut up, kid. I'm having a great time. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) So the staff of the park, like I said, was made up of almost entirely high school and college kids who used their summers to party. Uh, The lawlessness of Action Park was propagated and encouraged by the underage staff. Hazing was a regular occurrence, uh, with the preferred method being forcing the new blood to participate in lifeguard training by pretending to be a drowning guest. (laughs) Since the staff was in charge of the beer being served, they regularly just helped themselves to it. And Action Park eventually grew to the point that they needed the college kids who normally left in the last few weeks to go back to college to stay for the entire season. They started off by just offering a cash bonus for staying the duration. That worked okay. What really worked out was when they introduced the the end-of-the-year party, which was a luau party called the Kamana Wanalea Party. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh... Is this just the college kids, or is this the college and the high school I'm sure kids? it was everyone. 
I'm uh, almost positive it was everyone. I can't prove that, but I, I got a strong feeling. I'm going to go out on a limb here, a thin little branch. Okay. And say that was probably inappropriate. You think so? Just yeah, a little? I know. I know. I know. Uncle Cayman ruining the fun. Uh, attendance wasn't really a problem after that uh, to keep people around. In fact, the park saw a sharp increase in applicants the following year. Right. They had a kid orgy. all the kids were like hell yeah moving on hopefully just the kids uh and kids weren't just running the park jesus christ and the kids weren't just running the park they were also building and testing the new rides the most notorious of which was the cannonball loop uh if you know anything about action park it's probably the cannonball loop they were building the rides? Yeah. I mean, like, it, look, Gene was just using whatever, wh- whoever was around. He was like, hey, I got work for you. Also testing the rides. I think that's the bigger one. But hold on. Just we're, we're getting into it. Well, it's actually kind of better because like if a kid gets hurt on a ride or, you know, dies on a ride, like who's going to sue you? I guess their parents. Probably the parents. Yeah, we'll get into that. Well, they can make another. We'll get into that. <laughs> it, it's it, we're getting there. So basically, the Cannonball Loop was a water slide that shot down at nearly 90 degrees, and at the bottom, it came to a loop-de-loop like you were Sonic the Hedgehog. So you had to build up enough speed to clear the loop, but not so much that you would slam into the opposite side on your way through. Legend says that Gene came up with the idea and sketched it on a napkin before having it built. So he basically just slid a napkin and was like, this is what I want. Slide, loop, it's gonna be awesome. This sounds like the, uh, I actually hadn't heard about this. But it sounds like the uh, suicide roller coaster. Have you seen that where someone designed? I mean, it hasn't been built. Someone designed a roller coaster that would kill you. Yeah, it just it just kills you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's kind of like that. Except he was this was a good idea in his mind. Right. <laughs> so when it was done, he offered up a hundred dollars to any of his employees that would test it. This was his standard procedure. As soon as something was done, he would just be like, "Here's a hundred bucks. Who wants to go down?" And that's a hundred bucks, nineteen seventies money. Exactly. And you're you're fifteen. You're like, I don't want that hundred dollars. Right. So the first employee to try it lubed up his body with suntan lotion to try to like build up more speed. But like I said, too much speed is also an issue. So he got too much speed and came out the other side, pouring blood from his nose. Basically, he just slammed face first into one of the walls. So with that, you know, he made a hundred dollars, but. They decided, okay, maybe this slide isn't going to work out. They were like, yeah, this is still a good idea. We just need to perfect it. He just didn't do it right. <laughs> he used 30 SPF. He should have used 50. That's right. the right viscosity for going down the slide. Right. So, but since it didn't clear the test, this ride just sits idle, right? And they still open for the season and everyone sees this thing, but it's not open. So it just becomes this thing of legend. But a few years later, they decide to reduce the size of the loop. They're like, okay, that was our problem. The loop was too big. So they bring down the size of the loop and decide to try it again. So again, Gene offers up $100. Someone goes through. This time, they come out the other side, mouth pouring blood and missing teeth, right? Right. He's like, okay... That was a fluke. Let's try it again. Sends another person through. They have huge gashes on them. He's like, that's weird. Tries another person. Again, has huge gashes down their arms. He's like, what the heck is going on? They take it apart. There's the teeth that the person lost lodged in the slide and was cutting people open. Oh, okay. Yep. (laughs) That grosses me out worse than if it was like metal or something. The fact like someone's teeth. Oh, yeah. No, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. I do like how he has like a 
whole gaggle of children that he can choose from to send down the slide. And that they keep doing it. That's the crazy part. Oh, yeah. Kids will do anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. For a hundred bucks, too. I mean. Yeah. I mean, a hundred bucks. You're, you're going to take that. Hey, they got to get to that luau. I want to do c- it c- party. C- come on. I want to lay you. <laughs> come on. I want to lay you. I like luau. It's... I want to do it much better. <laughs> I, yeah, that's it's pretty good. Uh, so you would think the cannonball loop after all these failures is dead on arrival, right? Nope. He, uh, he has those teeth removed. He pulls the teeth and then he has a priest come and bless the ride. And then they open for the next season. Oh, it should be good. Now did the priest get to come to the, come on. I want to do you luau. Because... <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Uh, other rides weren't able to make it through with just some divine intervention though. Uh, one such ride was called the man in the ball in the ball. Not a great name. The man in the ball in the ball? The man in the ball in the ball. Okay, yeah. Like I said, not a great name, but it tells you <laughs> what it is, right? Basically, you would sit in a ball inside of another ball, and then they would roll you down like a PVC track. So, like, you would sit upright, but the ball around you would be spinning. Oh, like uh, like the, 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 the Chris Pratt in Jurassic Park's. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a really yeah. good example. I, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. the movie, but I've, I've seen I that. haven't either. I've seen that. I actually saw the trailer and that scene was in it. And I said, I will not watch that movie because it looks a like Gyrosphere. Garbage. That's what they call it in the movie. Gyrosphere. Uh, no I like cares. Man in the Ball in the Ball better. Okay. The only good Jurassic Park was the first one. And we're moving on after that statement because it was correct. And there's no other commentary to add. All right. Sounds good. So the problem was this PVC track was put together by unqualified maintenance workers and literal children. Uh, so one day they have the state come to, you know, inspect the ride, make sure that it's, that it's good for, for opening, which is something they didn't do often. I, I guess for this one in particular, though, they're like, ah, we're going to get, we're going to get the state to sign off on oh, it. Oh, they invited the state. Uh, I'm not sure. I, there's not a lot of context, but the state's there to inspect. I imagine it would be one of those things where they're just like, hey, you want to go check out the ring toss? You can play the ring toss for free. No need to look on that side of the park. That's all just plush toys. What's interesting, I didn't include this in my notes, so I'm just going to paraphrase it. But basically, Gene told the state that he wasn't building rides. He was building sporting activities. So he wasn't subject to regulation underneath the amusement park regulation. And basically, the state just didn't want to call his bluff because they didn't want to litigate on it. So that's how he skirted a lot of the regulation. I, I Again, I didn't fully understand it, and I didn't include it in my notes. But there's there's like a weird legal loophole that he went for mm-hmm. to, to avoid a lot of inspections and oversight by the state. Yeah. Uh, but for this one in particular, they're getting inspected. So this is like the maiden voyage. Gene invites a, uh, an orthopedist named Dr. Sugar to say, like, I endorse this ride as a doctor. I'm not sure what that was supposed to do. Wait, was his name actually Dr. Sugar? His name was Dr. Sugar. Orth- an orthopedist was like a like a tooth doctor. A foot doctor. Oh, foot doctor. Bones, right? I think bones. it's a, Is it bones? I don't know. Study bones. North, yeah. All right, so he studied bones. He's like this this is not going to break your bones. So anyway, uh, they're like, "All right, time for the maiden voyage." So they shove the ball down the track. The problem was they inspected on a particularly hot day, so the PVC pipes expanded and came apart as he's going down the track. So pretty soon he is off the rails, literally, and rolling down a mountain in a ball. He picks up insane speed and is now just rolling through the park. People are dodging out of the way of this giant man in a ball in a ball. He rolls through the parking lot across Route 91, like... Across a highway, 
and then lands in Waterworld in one of the lakes that's filled with snakes. And there's no way to like control direction no. or speed or nothing. No, you're in it. You're just there. It's like it's like you know the people who get in a tire and then roll it down the hill. It's it's yeah. slightly fancier than that. This is one of those things where like I would never ride these rides, but I would go to the park to get hammered and watch people ride. I these would rides. love. I <laughs> so desperately, so many times when I was reading this, I was like, I would love to go just to observe. Just watch a bunch of kids like lose their teeth on a loop de loop. But again, you're an observer, and now a ball is rolling at you like freaking Temple of, or uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No one is safe. No one is safe. This park is not safe. (laughs) So anyway, needless to say, they never got the inspection report from the state. They never really filed it. They just kind of uh, quietly shut that ride down and and never, uh, never talked about it again. Oh, and the guy, the guy got out of the, the ball and was like covered in blood. That seems like it's a recurring theme. Yeah. So. You must pay blood tribute to Action Bark. So, so again, these are all the these are all the accidents that we can kind of laugh about and have fun with. About to get into the ones that we can't. So people are gonna die. I'm oh, actually yeah. surprised we got this far without people dying. I, I I skipped over the deaths so that we could come back to them, so we could have a little bit of fun first. Oh, so you could group it together. Right, right exactly. Yeah. Uh, in July of 1980, the Alpine Slide had a rider die due to clearing the track and hitting head first onto a rock. Hmm. So again, like I said, if you got too much speed, you're coming straight up and over with, I mean, considerable speed, no helmet, dude just landed and uh, he, he ended up going into a coma and dying about a week later. I mean, that's like, that's not even, it, the Alpine slide, it sounds like it's pretty much just like a bobsled. Basically. I know that happens in bobsledding. Like that yeah. happened the Canadian Olympics like a, a while back. Yeah, but they have to wear helmets. Oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the park attempted to skirt responsibility by claiming that the ride hadn't killed the rider. The rock did. Right. And what are we going to do about the rocks? They were there when we got here. Were we supposed to move all the rocks? Uh, apparently, again, I, ca- I couldn't find any evidence of this, but in the documentary, uh, the, the mom of the rider who died said that the park was supposed to remove those rocks by state regulation, and then they, they like, didn't, and then her son hit it. So, I don't know if that's true. I wasn't able to dig up anything about that, but she claims that they were supposed to remove those. You know you never want to blame a victim, but I'm going to give the mom, like, 20% of the responsibility here for letting her son go to Action Park. Well, she didn't know. She didn't know that he went, and... I'm going to give her... Okay, I'm going to give her about... Oh, she didn't know he went at uh, all. So, so th- there's a lot of kind of conflicting stories. So, um... Action Park also claimed that he was an employee, even though almost everything says that he wasn't an employee. He was an employee of a different ski resort that was close by the previous winter. Something that I believe might be true. Well, I'm going to, I don't know. Again, there's so much conflicting evidence, but they say that he went down after hours and that no one was observing at the time. There were no attendants that were, that were tending to the ride. But again, why, why is someone able to do that? Like, I don't know. Right. It's a great strategy, though, if you're running a park. Uh, this is kind of a pro tip. I just don't keep a good record of what employees you have or how many you have, and then you mm-hmm. don't have to report their earnings to the IRS. I know. Also, uh, they claim that he was an employee because if they if he's an employee, they don't have to report the accident to the state, and they didn't. So whenever this came around, because it's it's technically it would be like an OSHA like 
filing rather than like an amusement filing or, or something right. again it gets legally mucky um but basically it was better off if they claimed that he was an employee hmm. so he's the first death uh in 1982 which is two years later a 15 year old was the first of three people to drown in the wave pool at Waterworld. So the factors that go into this and the other two deaths are numerous. Uh, the first off being that the water was fresh rather than salt water, uh, meaning that buoyancy was much lower, leading to people sinking in the water. It also sounds stinky. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of the points. Number two, well, actually, let's just do that one first. Number three was uh, the water was, like, murky because it had rained recently. Mud had come from, like, one of the hills and, like, gotten in the water. Uh, visibility right. was really low. And also... Uh, there's so many people in the pool that, like, I mean, you know that that water's just got to be disgusting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the only thing worse than drowning is drowning in disgusting water. But anyway, the the second point is the, the pool was so packed. They said that if, if you could balance yourself, you could have walked across the heads all the way across the pool. Mm. Like, it was shoulder to shoulder. And people were saying, hey, like, the lifeguards were telling management, hey, we can't see the bottom of the pool. Like, if someone's down there, if someone's drowning, we couldn't even see them. Uh, to which Gene said, yeah, you can't see the bottom of the ocean either. That's true. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, like I said, this wasn't a one-off occurrence. So many people had to be rescued from the wave pool, like, just pulled out, that employees started referring to it as the grave pool. I will say also, though, it like, Splash Country in Gatlinburg, they have a big wave pool. And it kind of sucks because they're just constantly shutting it down. Or at least they used to. This is back when I was younger. I don't even know if they have the wave pool anymore. But it was like you'd be in and like every five minutes they'd shut it down because some kid had gone out too deep and was like struggling. Yeah. Well, I would take that over, you know, people drowning. Uh, yeah. Also, whenever you would get pulled out of one of the water rides because you like weren't a strong swimmer, they would mark your armband with CFS. CFS. Can't. Can't fucking swim. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it, nice. it didn't take long to figure it out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> water parks are gross. Water parks are gross. Water parks are disgusting. Uh, so, and then just one week after that, that wave pool drowning, uh, a man died after falling into the water at the kayak experience and getting electrocuted by faulty wiring in one of the fans that generated the water current. Now that one was ruled uh, a no fault. Basically they said, you know, it was it was just an honest mistake by by the electrician that put it in. So that one was ruled just an accidental death. Nothing could have been done. He just there's nothing could have been done. Nothing could have been done. <laughs> and those were just the deaths. There were countless other injuries, both minor and major, happening at the park every single day. In 1986, Action Park was responsible for half of all theme park accidents in New Jersey. How many theme parks are in New Jersey? Quite a few. There's a Six Flags. The Jersey Shore has like a bunch of... Um, oh, on, yeah. Like, Jersey you know. Shore. I, I feel like we might be more interested in this if we were the kind of people that... I don't know, Colin, you seem like someone who goes to theme parks. I love theme parks. I like theme yeah. parks. Why do you... I don't like theme parks. You're the only one that doesn't like theme parks. This is like blimps, dude. I grew up right next to Dollywood. I, I got sick of theme parks. Yeah, but Dollywood is just one of many theme parks. There man. are so many. Yeah, I, I prefer Carowinds. I went to Busch Gardens. Coolest theme park I've ever been to, Universal. Because it's not all about the rides. 
And I don't, I don't like rides. Well, I don't have this in my notes. Gene tried to steal that, like, song and dance kind of... Uh, vibe? Vibe, yeah, from Universal. Uh, but the only thing that was extreme enough for Action Park was uh, American Gladiator, which was very popular at the time on TV. Mm-hmm. So they reached out to the uh, the studio that produced the show to ask if they could license it. They said no. So then they just stole it whole cloth. Like even the names of the performers were the same names. Uh, all the all the events were the same. Basically everything was the same. And then they got sued. Uh, so they quickly changed it to like a Tarzan show. And then they had a dollar beer night. And then one of the spectators got into a fight with one of the Tarzan men. It came to blows. It was... It's Action Park, man. That's exactly what I'd expect. So, anyway, yeah, there's a little detour for those that don't like rides. There was also a uh, a song and dance show where you could uh, challenge strong men and get into a fight. Hell yeah. And Dollar Beer Night. Still a little something for everyone. So anyway, uh, the people that got into the fights probably got injured too. So you may be wondering, how the hell did this place not get sued into oblivion? You know what I'm wondering? What are you wondering, Cayman? How the hell did this place not get sued into oblivion? Well, it wasn't for lack of trying, let me tell you. But Gene Mulvihill was very good at avoiding legal trouble. The first line of defense was a fixer who would call the day after a reported accident to offer a payout to drop the issue. This would usually be somewhere around $750, which, to a teenager who just broke a bone, seems like a pretty good deal. I mean, again, people are going down these slides that they know is going to injure them for $100. So for $750, you're going to drop the problem. I mean, I, you're calling it a fixer. I think calling it a fixer sounds a little shady. Like, that's pretty much what lawyers do. Like, well, settlement. Let's let's get deeper into it before you make that call. Okay. And if that didn't work, the lawyer would come in. Oh, okay. Action Park was really good about getting a statement from the victim at the time of the accident. And almost always the victim would say something uh, along the lines of, you know, I knew the rules and I knew that was against the rules. Or, you know, I knew I wasn't a very good swimmer, but I did it anyway. And that would pretty much instantly invalidate their testimony. Right. To which the guy would say, hey, look, man, like this is not going to hold in court. Also, their lawyer informed the victim and any legal counsel they had that there would be no settlement coming. Uh, Action Park was going to fight to the Supreme Court if that's what it took. And in fact, they did take a few cases straight to the... They never got to the National Supreme Court, but they went to the New Jersey State Supreme Court at least once. And pretty soon, every lawyer in town learned that it wasn't worth the fight, and they would turn down cases against Action Park. So with that, Action Park skirted most of its legal troubles. Gene's mentality was that the person knew the risk, and they rolled the dice. They were literally the definition of the adage, buy the ticket, take the ride. Right. And by the way things were going, it seemed that the legal system agreed with Gene, as almost all litigation was found in Action Park's favor. They're untouchable. However, that did not apply when it came to Park deaths. These were generally settled out of court for pretty substantial payouts. Now, that may bring forward the question, with all these injuries, deaths, and lawsuits, who in their right mind was insuring this death trap? No one. I have no idea. That little lizard from the Geico commercials. He's a gecko. He's a gecko. Whatever. Are geckos not lizards? I think, yeah, they I don't they know. Are. But he, more specifically, a gecko. Well, the New Jersey State Commission of Investigation were also curious who was insuring this uh, death trap. Mm-hmm. So they started investigating after the slew of deaths at the park. Gene Mulvihill told investigators that he's insured by London and World Assurance Limited. Oh, is this one of those ones where it's not a real company, but he owns it, but he's got it through like 10 different things? Cayman, London World Assurance Limited 
is a very well-regarded firm that ensures only the finest of destination vacations. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fake. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fake. Uh, upon doing <laughs> some digging, they found out that London World is owned by none other than Gene Mulvihill and operated in the Cayman Islands. Hey, my people. Hey, Cayman. Everything's legal in the Cayman Islands. Everything is legal in the Cayman Islands. So, dude has no insurance. Even have sex luau's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, apparently you can do that in uh, Vernon, New Jersey, though. High school sex luau's. Come on, I want to lay ya. That's why Gene keeps a ruthless lawyer on retainer, because he literally can't afford litigation. So now I should also mention that as the park expanded, Gene needed to get more land on the mountain. The problem was that the part of the mountain that he needed belonged to the State Department of Environmental Protection. Gene had been leasing the land from the DEP, but as part of that agreement, Gene was required to have insurance. Otherwise, when litigation fell through with Gene, a plaintiff could go after the state for damages. Right. So with these findings, Gene was charged with over 200 crimes, including fraud, theft, embezzlement, and forgery. So, pop quiz. Over 200 crimes. What do you think he's looking at as far as jail time goes? I mean, it... These are all white-collar crimes. It depends how many you're found guilty of. Well, no, 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 but 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 this is maximum sentencing. Like, because he, he's not gone to trial yet. Oh, maximum sentencing. Yeah, what do you, what do you think he's looking at? 300 years. I'm going to say two, 200 crimes, 300 years. Yeah, that's that's good. That's actually what I was thinking. 300. How many was it? 12. Is that too low? 12, 12. years? 12 years. People years? Welcome to white-collar crime, man. People not, years? Like, not even dog Not like years? cat years or something, right? Yeah, no. 12 dog years would be even shorter. No, no 12 dog years would like be longer because dog years. years and no. dog years. 12 dog years is like one human year. Oh, uh, yeah, that's I right. It's like, it's like two. It's almost two. Yeah. Okay, I don't care. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, 12 people years. <laughs> fine. Tortoise years. To answer the question, it's 12 people years. 200 crimes is 12 people years. What's the fine to go along with that? Do you know that? Uh, Well, we're getting into that. Okay. Basically, he's looking at 12 years. Instead, mm -hmm. he opts for a plea deal. And he gets hit with three years of probation, a $240,000 fine, and the lease with the DEP will end unless Gene gives up control of the park to a third party. Mm. So that's it. Oh, no, he should he should give control to uh, that insurance company that's... There you go. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Wait, so what's he doing now? Are we just not there? You said that's it. Like, we're about it's to... It's not over. No, he's joking. So that's it. Yep. He's no, he has to over. give up the park. No, not third over. party. No way, it's over. It's over. He can't He can't operate the park Someone anymore. bought the park. More people died. But what did Gene do? Well, what's weird is, so so he, he's got like six more months left on his lease, and that's that's the amount of time he has to find a third party. So you would mm -hmm. think he would start going to people to try to, like, figure this stuff out. Instead, Gene keeps expanding the park. He keeps building new stuff, pouring more money into it, expanding as if nothing had happened at all. Gene built hundreds of condominium units on the park grounds as well as a spa, and no one could figure out what he was thinking. Then all of a sudden, the New Jersey General Assembly passed a bill that would allow Gene to buy the land from the DEP for nearly half the price it was worth. Hmm. Hmm. Greasing some pockets. Yep. Uh, you may wonder, why, why would the state do such a thing? Even the governor was wondering why the bill came across his desk, but he knew his hands were tied, so he kind of had to sign it into law. <laughs> it wasn't until later that the story came out that all the appliances in Gene's new condo units were purchased from a prominent member of the New Jersey General Assembly. 
Hey, look at that. What a coincidence. It was the same member that sponsored the bill that allowed Gene to buy the land. There's hmm. corruption in the New Jersey government. Welcome to capitalism, baby. I'm pretty sure you could be corrupt without capitalism. I guess because he's buying appliances. Right. I mean, it's 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 capitalism. Yeah. 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 The problem was Gene's lack of insurance wasn't just a legal issue. Like it was a personal issue, right? Like you, you mm-hmm. are so vulnerable to anything that could happen. Right. Uh, it was only a matter of time until something happened that Gene couldn't buy or talk his way out of. And the day was coming quick. Gene was already literally struggling to keep the lights on. Like there were days that like the lights would just go out and they're like, Hey Gene, you need to pay the power bill. So action parks, not even making money. Okay, so... Or is he just spending money as fast as he gets it to make the park bigger? So this isn't Gene's only uh, business venture. He's got a lot of stuff going on, and he was constantly moving money around. Mm. I'm staying focused on Action Park because, again, there's not not a ton of information about his other business ventures. But there's definitely some shady money stuff going on. Right. And and yeah, the, the walls are closing in, for sure. And of course, another lawsuit came. This time, a group of sledders went down a closed slope after hours and went over a 20-foot cliff. Now again, there's a closed slope after hours, and no one died, but the injuries were insanely bad. They were so bad, in fact, that a judge ruled that due to the lack of mitigating factors in the injuries, Gene was 54% negligent and as such was liable for about $1 million. They do it in a percentage? Apparently. Yeah. 54% negligent. So that's worth $1 million, which he didn't really have. I would love to see whatever equation the judge used to figure that out, because you know it was done on a napkin. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, that was Gene's favorite place to do math and designing water slides, apparently. (laughs) And if that wasn't bad enough, another woman herniated a disc on one of the water slides, and that lawsuit resulted in a $675,000 payout for the victim. That... We're going to ding, ding, ding. That's thing number three that came and doesn't really know what it is. Herniated disc. It sounds like you hurt your back. Yeah, basically it's something in your spine. And while she was recovering, apparently the doctor said if she coughed wrong, she could paralyze herself. Mm. So, yeah. I heard that can happen to anyone if you cough hard enough. That's, (laughs) I think that's true. Get vaccinated, folks. Right. (laughs) So Gene had to resort to offering the victims land instead of cash as he didn't have the money to pay. And there were even more lawsuits in the works. But after these, the park had to default on its debt. And it was soon bought out by another amusement company who quickly changed the name and began tearing down the more insane attractions in favor of some safe entertainment. For starters, they bulldozed Motor World because there was no saving that. And then they started requiring helmets and knee pads for the Alpine Slide. Oh. And as a final nail in the action park coffin, they dismantled the cannonball loop. Wow. Gene's dreams were crushed. Look at the fun, police. Wait, cannonball loop was still going? Yeah. The entire time? Yep. With all the stuff, they still had the cannonball loop. <laughs> so that's the end of the story. Well, you, I don't think it is, because you've already no, done this once, and it wasn't it's the, the end. end story. Yeah, they bought it out, and they, they changed all the rides. It's over. Gene went on to start a, a roller coaster business um, that was pretty successful. Actually, it was very successful. They they actually designed the world's fastest roller coaster. He ran that business through the rest of the '90s before selling the business in the mid 2000s, uh, and it was the largest amount of money he had ever done in a business venture. So he's he he did very well after Action Park. Do you know what coaster that is? I could probably look it up. Is it? I, it's it, probably not the fastest anymore. I'm not worried about it then. 
So yeah, you know, he, he had all that money from selling his roller coaster business and I'm sure he probably went back to the Cayman Islands and um, had a great retirement. Is he still alive? Oh, wait, there's one more thing. Uh, in 2010, Gene Mulvihill took the money that he made from the roller coaster business and bought the park formerly known as Action Park. Did he restart it? Yeah. Did he put the Cannonball Loop back? Yeah. Or, well, they had plans to. Anyway, yeah, so he buys Action Park again in 2010. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, I swear to God, I wish I was making this up. Uh, and he starts pouring money into the park again. Even renaming the park. Basically, he's running it with his family because uh, he's getting up in age. So so his son, who actually wrote the book uh, that I based a lot of this research on, is helping him uh, run the park again. They found a new uh, designer who could rebuild the cannonball loop uh, much safer because, again, now they're subject to a lot more regulation. Uh, unfortunately, two years later, Gene died in 2012, leaving the park to his children. They continued to keep the dream alive, but the water park business had changed considerably since the 90s. Was it a natural death or was it an action park related death? No, it was not an action park related <laughs> death. I'm pretty sure he just died of old age. I'm going out on the cannonball run. Dude was old. Uh, yeah, no, that's that would have been thematic. He should have died on... He should have been the first one to try the new cannonball loop. They never actually ended up building it. They basically found a person who was willing to build it, but it never happened. I'm impressed that he was that dedicated to this park. A, like a passion project it really was i mean dude dude loved it like it was it, it was literally like his dream to do this so like he never got over it he ended up rebuying it again once he had the money yeah like it's all he wanted to do like i said action park never really returned to its former glory days uh and then in 2015 the mulva hills ended up selling their stake back to a, a big conglomerate company who continues to run the park under a different name so, basically, Action Park tried to take one last dying gasp, but the world had left it behind. Now it's just a memory of how deregulated America was under Ronald Reagan. And that's the true end of the story, for real this time. Well, it started in the 70s. So, yeah, can't but... put it all on Ronald Reagan. What about Jimmy Boy? Yeah, but the 80s, the 80s is when the Cannonball Loop opened. Ah, uh, well, yeah, that was so. Reagan. Well, <sighs> close all the theme parks. Close them down. No more parks. We don't need any more themes. No more roller coasters. They make me vomit. I like roller coasters. I like roller coasters. They make me vomit. We have to shut them down. All right. I've got a lot of after notes. How many? Okay. Uh, do you want me to count them? You get seven. I'm kidding. Do as many as you want. I don't know if you mentioned this, but I think the Cannonball Loop, is it true that they had like a door at the bottom of the loop because if you yeah. didn't make it, is that one of your after notes? They or? had... No, it's not. Okay, but yeah, yeah. They, they, they had the door there to retrieve you. Because again, there were some people, a lot of people went too fast around it and that mm -hmm. messed them up. But a lot of people just didn't get the amount of speed they needed to make it up and over. They actually ended up figuring out the correct weight that you needed to be. And they would weigh you before you got on it. So like if you, if you were too heavy or too light, they just wouldn't let you go down it. Mm, nice. Okay. But that was not an exact science. Because right. again, there's so many factors that go into the amount of speed you get. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How you hold your body. Length. Right. How how lube how lubed up you are? I could see doing this if I was like in a capsule going down a tube. Uh, that would just be the man in the ball in the ball. That doesn't work out either. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're enclosed in a tube, it's a little better than being on PVC pipes. Yeah, but still, I, then you go into the pool at the bottom, and then you like I don't know. I just feel like that. I don't want to be encapsulated in anything. Or you're saying like a tube, like an inner tube. Well, no, 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 like a, like I a, like, yeah. no, I'm talking about like a pill, like a big, 
pill. Even still, I think I think then it would be harder to like go in a loop. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Anyway, let's not try to design the cannonball loop. Okay, it's a dumb <laughs> no, idea. It, it should have never been done. Action Park 3.0. We're doing it. Hosted by I Really Wish You Hadn't. There we go. We're sinking all of our life savings into it. Well, mostly Colin's life savings. But... <laughs> okay, I mean. Uh, You're the one that likes from... roller coasters. I don't feel like my life savings can afford a park, but maybe. We'll get kids to make the rides. It'll be easy. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. We good. don't have to pay them so much. Well, right. We won't pay them anything. We'll just tell them that there'll be a sex luau at the end of the year. And we'll pay them in beer. <laughs> beer, beer and, beer and, and sex luau. Jesus. All right, so first off, I need to acknowledge my sources. Uh, the first is Action Park, Fast Times, Wild Rides, and the Untold Story of America's Most Dangerous Amusement Park. This is by Andy Mulvihill, the son of Gene Mulvihill. He definitely stole half that title from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Well, it, it, the whole book reads more like uh, Wet Hot American Summer than anything. It's like half the book is just a coming-of-age story about a kid who was raised in an amusement park. Not just an amusement park, an action park. Right. It's honestly a pretty good book. I mean, it reads like an... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. It reads like an 80s movie. Yeah. So, I don't know. Check it out. That was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. The second is the documentary Class Action Park. This is available on HBO Max. It's got a lot of interviews with people who worked at the park and visited it as teens. It goes. It's a lot more uh, critical of the park, though, than the book is, because obviously it's told from the point of view of the sun. So. Fun police. And this is another one of the episodes where I highly encourage going to the source material because there's a lot of stuff that I had to cut that I think was worth talking about. And I'll try to hit a few of them as, as afternotes, but again, they go a lot deeper than this. Right. First off, Gene Mulvihill, friends with Donald Trump. Uh, apparently, Trump was planning on investing in the park, but he made a visit and decided it was too insane for him to dump any money into. Right. Gene also allegedly kept a Mac-10 submachine gun in his desk. Seven Mac 11s, about eight 38s. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta mow somebody down. Right. The park did a ton of advertising in Spanish, but none of their safety notices were written in Spanish. So people would get there and have no idea what they were supposed to be doing. There's a lot of accidental nudity that I skipped over. Uh, Many of the park's rides were so intense that no swimsuits were safe. There's a story about a ride called Surf Hill. Uh, and the park ended up installing a spectator platform for the ride because everyone referred to it as Titty Hill. Nice. Cool. Also, while the litigation about the fake insurance is going on, another person drowned at the park, like in the middle of all this going on. Luckily for Gene, the family were Jehovah's Witnesses and didn't sue because they believed that the drowning was God's will. Well, uh, Okay. So he just kind of got to get out of jail free card on that Is one. Is that how Jehovah's Witness? Apparently. I didn't know oh, that either. okay. I have no idea. It's what it says. Oh. The park tried to open a paintball course, but they had to close it because it was rife with people shooting each other in the head point blank and pistol whipping each other when they ran out of ammunition. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this guy would have loved Westworld had he gotten to see Basically. It. Yeah. This yeah. dude made Westworld without robots. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, this one I just gotta hit quickly. It's not gonna. It might not make sense, but it's it's in the book. After Gene screwed over the DEP by buying their land from them for an insane discount, mm-hmm. uh, the D, DEP tried to poison everyone with radioactive dirt. What? Basically, they found radioactive dirt somewhere, so they started dumping it in Vernon, uh, which is where the park was. He made the Department of Environmental Protection the Department of Environmental Assault. Basically. It's pretty sick. Yeah, well, they were like, well, it can't be here. We're going to move it over here. 
There was also, he started like a boxing training program where he would like invite famous boxers to come train at the park and he would like basically pay for all their lodging and everything. Again, it's a too big of a story to go into in the episode. Uh, and lastly, Johnny Knoxville made a movie based on Action Park called Action Point. Uh, I had planned on watching it for this episode, but then I saw the reviews. Yeah. Uh, IndieWire called the film the most painful thing Johnny Knoxville has ever inflicted upon himself or his audience. Oh. And, um, oh. That's really saying something. What yeah, so. a scathing review from IndieWire. I have no interest. Oh, and it's so sad because like it, it, he, it was a miserable failure at the box office. And like Johnny Knoxville hurt himself bad to make the movie. And he said that he, his biggest disappointment was that he let Gene Mulvihill down. Wait. <laughs> so right, anyway, well, that was Action Park. He gets a new Jackass movie, so I'm sure it'll yeah. be fine. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. I think it's only in theaters, and I'm not about to go to the theater to see a Jackass movie. Yeah, I'm not really sure I'll wait for it if I've seen a Jackass movie. I think I saw one when I was a kid. But I remember you, can, just... you can basically play him in your head. If you just, oh, okay. Man get hit in balls. Mm. That is funny. Man make poopy. <laughs> Yeah, it's still funny. That's hilarious. The classics. Highest form of comedy. Now it's old man get hit in balls. Wow. Old man <laughs> make a poopy. Old men who are no longer doing drugs and drinking all the time. Right. Try to relive the glory days that they can't achieve without chemicals. It's going to be Maybe a sad they film. can. I bet I'm going to cry <laughs> watching it. You think? Yeah. I, th- I think it's a drama. Do you think you'll cry because of the movie or just because in general how your life's going at the time? Yeah, little column A, little column B. <laughs> yeah. All right, Cayman, you want to tell the people where they can find us? Yeah, either in, well, just anywhere in Tennessee for the most part. Yeah, we we basically run the gamut. We cover it, yeah. Yeah. So, feel free to look us up on Instagram at I really wish you hadn't. Check out our post. I'll be doing a new one for when these episodes come out. Whenever that is. That'll be pretty exciting. Leave a comment. Interact with us. Shoot me a DM. Let's have a conversation. Whatever. I run the account, so... <laughs> you can also... <laughs> you can also email us at podcast at IReallyWishYouHadn't.com Once again, come chat. Hang out. I check that email at least twice a year. It comes to my phone. Uh, yeah, so. I get it to my phone. So, Colin, so that's if you want to have a conversation with Colin, podcast at I really wish you com. If you want to have a conversation with me at I really wish you hadn't on Instagram. If you want to have a conversation with Michael, his cell phone number. And what else is there? That was good. There's the there's the email. There's. But that's all the, the Instagram. Things. I think uh, that's all the you need things. to follow yeah. us oh. and subscribe and stuff. Well, I, I, oh yeah, your favorite podcast network. Here's the thing: is we always do this, and then we do the outro, which is just the same thing again. Right. Maybe we don't uh, do the outro this time. Maybe we just play music. We just end it. It just ends. But yeah, just a cold. <laughs> it's stop. just over. Just not soft at all. But no, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got a shout out to tax school. Uh, uh, we got a shout out to a tax court. <laughs> Attack story. <laughs> Attack thanks, story thanks. make good music and he let make us use it because he nice boy. So yeah, that is it acknowledging that we had to give him his due. We've we've acknowledged him this and given bad. him his due. The intro this too. He does the intro too. Yeah, because we're not gonna have an outro. This this episode is just gonna end. And we're just gonna have to do the hard stop 
I feel like we should stop it like right in the middle of someone's sentence. Yeah, well, and just we like also, stop we, it we, there. We still haven't said like you gotta like and you gotta rate us. And people know how podcast us. networks. People yeah, know how podcast. Yeah, for some reason, people people have to say it at the end of every podcast. Be sure or to like if you like us, subscribe. If you don't, do what you do and just don't. rate us. Though that's the big thing. All right. If us. you don't smash that bell to get notifications, you gotta smash the bell. We gotta we gotta get the ratings on on Apple Podcasts so that more people see it. I only want you to rate us if it's sincere. No, I don't want it to be And sincere. positive. I want it to be positive. <laughs> I don't care about sincerity. I care about positivity. Are you willing to lie for us? <laughs> or tell the truth. Either way, as long as it's positive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, well, podcast cool. over. Podcast over.